Hey, it's Mike Schaefer, and I want to thank you for listening to the Hey Coach, It's Blank podcast presented by Bubbles and Blocks Child Development Center. This week, Mitch Sherman from The Athletic stops by and takes us on his own journalism journey that featured being a student reporter during Nebraska's best run ever, graduating into a job with the Omaha World Herald, and eventually leaving for ESPN and now The Athletic. Let us know if you're enjoying the conversations and leave us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time for the Hey Coach, It's Blank podcast. It is time for another episode of the Hey Coach, It's Blank podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer and joined, joining me today is Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch, I've known a long time. When I first saw it, started in 2009, you were at the uh, the Omaha World Herald at, at that point in time, and you've, you've been a couple other publications since. So I'm excited to, to kind of dive into this conversation with, with a real veteran of the Nebraska beat here. Yeah, um, I, I am a veteran now, which, you know, it's, it doesn't seem for me like all that long ago when I was looking up to the veterans who covered college football and, and lived in this state and, and mainly covered Nebraska. And I've spent the, the good portion of my career doing Nebraska, but, you know, as we'll get into, also have had the chance to go out and do uh, lots of other stuff in the sport, which has been really beneficial. But yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny. You kind of start with that. I don't know when, when your mindset on it changed on the Nebraska beat, but like, I've always sort of viewed myself as one of the young guys until you look around and you realize there's like a half dozen to 10 people younger than you are. You no longer recognize everybody over there. Like it, it just sort of happens fast. Like I, I, I've been pretty much doing daily Nebraska coverage since 2009 with a little break there in 2010, but for the most part, every season in that run. And then I don't know if it was some point halfway through the Scott Frost thing, I look around and it's like, wait a minute, I, I guess I'm a veteran now. And so I don't, I don't know when that happened for you, but it was, there's kind of like a weird moment for me. I mean, it's kind of nice too to know that like you're a source of uh, expertise um, and that people, you know, I think for me, when like people started to come to me in the media or even at the school with, with questions about things and the way that, you know, uh, procedures should be handled or like historical questions. I mean, I certainly don't have anywhere near the, uh, the wealth of, um, knowledge and experience, like a, a you know Mike Babcock. But, yeah, you know, nobody does. Nobody does. Uh, but but like beyond that, on the Nebraska beat, I mean, I, I've been I've been around this for just about as long as anybody um, who's you know currently um, currently working. Um, you know, Tom Chattel came to the Omaha World Herald a couple of years uh, before I started college. But you know, I really trace my uh, my time around Nebraska athletics to the fall of 1993 when when I started school in Lincoln because I jumped in right away and and you know there is that period in the in the 2010s when I was at ESPN and my, my direct assignment was not uh, the Huskers um, but you know I was still around the team and I was still living in in um, in southwest Omaha and Sarpy County um, you know I still uh, you know made it to Lincoln for the notable moments and, and had my uh, my finger on the pulse of the program. So I've never really left, um, you know, even though I've had the experience to to go out and see what else is out there in, in on the college football and, and basketball and other sports landscape, which is, you know, which is great, which is like living in the best of both worlds. And, and you know, not and I, I'm, I'm pretty I feel like I'm pretty lucky to, to have done that because not many people, you know, 
um, can go outside this bubble that we're in at Nebraska and then say, you know, um, I, I and for me, like getting like way ahead of myself in this conversation here, like I, I'm, I'm at the athletic because I want to be here and I want to be covering Nebraska. Like it took me eight years at ESPN. Um, I, you know, while it was a good experience and I, w- I wouldn't trade it, but like I made the decision to 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 cover the thing that was important to the people who were around me in my community. So um, I don't know that I would have known that and recognized that, been been as aware of that if I didn't have those um, those eight years uh, at ESPN. Awesome. Well, we're going to dive into to all of that, but I want to go back to even before 1993, the fall of 1993. When did you, Mitch, when did you know that journalism was something that you had a kind of a deep interest in? Because if you were diving into it, as a freshman from the sound of things, clearly you had an idea before you even got to campus that you wanted to be involved in sports writing to some degree. Probably 1992. Uh, <laughs> you get much before that. And, and I was too young to know anything, but um, yeah, my senior year of, of high school, um, I went to Burke high in, in Omaha. Um, and, you know, I, I was no longer, good enough to play basketball and baseball. I was never good enough to play basketball at the high, at the high school level. Um, you know, Hey, I, I see these, I see, um, you know, so many you know, covering Nebraska um, in being from Omaha, you know, one of the things that covering Nebraska sports, not just football, but all the sports has allowed me to do is to get out into some of the communities in the state. And, you know, while I'm covering, the athletes who could have played anywhere at any class A school or, or wherever, certainly if they're coming to Nebraska, that, that, that they weren't playing because they were at a small school. Going into those small school, schools has made me maybe a little bit envious at times of knowing that, hey, if I had been there, you know, I, I at least could have continued my athletic career for a couple more years, like until I was 18 years old. But for me, the end of playing high school sports and in baseball was was as far as I got was like, you know, at my junior year, like no, no longer had the opportunity. And my high school was playing for a class A championship in basketball my senior year, won a class A championship in baseball my senior year. Um, so you had to be really good. And, um, you know, my kids are kind of dealing with that same thing now and okay. you know, here in Gretna. But uh, um, anyway, uh, I got into journalism that that la- those last, you know, three semesters of, uh, of high school. Um, really just for no reason other than that I kind of like to write and I like sports and, but I didn't know anything about reporting or, or what the, what the, uh, what the business side of it in, entailed. And um, I liked it enough to, to look at journalism programs around the Midwest. And, um, you know, I was fortunate that when I got to Nebraska, um, there was, there was, you know, no, there were, there were no, there was no red tape in getting in at the daily Nebraska. And I walked in and they gave me a story assignment. And I think my first story came out before I ever attended a, a college class in, in August of, of 93. And it was a pretty uh, interesting time and, and exciting time all of those years that I was in school, but, you know, especially that first year, because that was, that was right as Nebraska was climbing up the ladder from, you know, like a doormat on the national level. I mean, like on the national championship contending mm-hmm. level, certainly not a doormat in the big eight, but a doormat um, to, for Miami and Florida state in those years, right before that to, to the opposite. And um, so I got to see that like up close right away. And, you know, I had the, I definitely had the, um, 
like got bit by the uh, the excitement of it. I had the fever um, from 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 early in that that fall of my freshman year. I have great memories of 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 that year, that season, um, super memorable season. You think know, for all people who followed Nebraska football, but especially for me with where I was at in my life, and, and then you know it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, this is kind of fascinating because I would say you're the you're the sixth guest I've had at this point. And I would say the mm-hmm. other five, I mean, people kind of intimated that they knew that journalism is sort of what they wanted to do maybe a little earlier um, mm-hmm. than you did. So that's that kind of fascinates me because it seems like it was probably a combination of just starting at the Daily Nebraskan at mm-hmm. the same time Nebraska football really kind of took off that yeah. kind of put you in this position what you know like what what compelled you to go down those steps and just walk into the daily nebraskan and be like hey i'm looking for something to do like you're a you're a freshman in college at this time and you're just like hey i need an extracurricular activity or or what kind of what do you do you remember kind of what propelled you to do that because to me it's an intimidating thing i was a transfer yeah. student i waited it out and then started doing stuff in the summer cuz i just was not like ready to throw myself to the wolves right away when i got I- to nebraska I was probably too dumb and naive to be intimidated. I didn't know what I was walking into. You know, I didn't know that. um, I mean, I look at the people who were in that basement of the student union at the time when I did walk in there in 1993. And I look at some of them now who are still in this business and how accomplished they are. And I should have been intimidated um, because they're, they're, you know, leaders around Mm -hmm. the the country and in some cases the world and, and, you know, whether it's in journalism or, or, or not, but I didn't know, you know, I, I think if I had come in at an older age, but I'd been around college environment before, you know, maybe I would have been intimidated and stayed away. And I know there are people who did, like, I remember some who joined on like after a year in college or, or, you know, came in when they were, um, you know, much, much older in their, in their early twenties. And, you know, I didn't have any of that. It was, um, I, I don't want to undersell um, my interest in journalism when I got to college. I mean, I, I was looking for a school that had something mm-hmm. to offer, and knew I wanted a major um, in in news editorial journalism, which you know isn't even a major anymore. It's 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 yeah. all under one umbrella. But I, at that time, you could like learn to write for a newspaper for your, your the major um, in the in the journalism school. And um, so yeah, I mean, I I, I knew um, I'm sure several months before I ever went down there that that was something I was going to do um, when I got to campus that week or two before. Um, classes started. And I don't remember any kind of intimidation. I think I just walked down the stairs or I went to a meeting maybe that, that they, they called for, for new students. And, and uh, I had a story assignment um, for the back to school issue. And I think I went to um, Nebraska football media day and I interviewed Trumaine Bell, um, who's a tight end, older, older guy um, on that 93 team. And, you know, I, I, that was the first, that was the first one. And uh, first thing in publication at the at the DN, um, certainly not the first thing I'd published because, you know, the, like I said, I had some experience at the high school newspaper, but it was it was not even close um, right. to the same experience of doing that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, then that that year, you know, it wasn't like I jumped in and I was in the press box every game that fall. I probably got assigned to a couple of home games um, and uh, maybe one road game or something like that. There was quite a, a, a cast of talented uh talented people who were even writing sports um you know not not to mention the other areas of the of the newsroom and you know, i covered gymnastics um you know got to meet like this this 
iconic character in Francis Allen, the men's gymnastics coach. And I remember sitting, you know, for, uh, you know, an hour uh, in his office during practice. Um, and I didn't know anything about gymnastics, men's or women's gymnastics, but the coaches there at the time um, were just so willing to spend time and tell right. stories and um, be way more understanding and generous um, with a, an 18 year old and 19 year old than, than they, they needed to be. And that, that was, that was huge for me and just developing my uh, skills as a reporter um, did a lot of women's soccer, you know, volleyball, um, everything really. I mean, I covered track and field um, and even did a lot of that stuff uh, at the world Herald in my early years there. So, um, you know, football, as far as being my main assignment, I didn't really become a thing. Um, you know, 94 and 95, uh, I did more. And I think, I think 95, um, the 95 season that, that Fiesta Bowl and um, against Florida, that was the first bowl game. Um, I went to the 93 and 94 orange bowls, um, but I wasn't in the press box for those I was in the, in the seats. Um, and, uh, and then, and after the 95 season, um, I, I did, I was, I was there, um, just to, just to work, um, for that one. And, and, uh, you know, it was a, it's just looking back at it, I took that stuff for granted. Like I took for granted at the end of every year, there was gonna be a trip to Miami or Phoenix. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was just you know, thinking you're, about, yeah, you're, you're, you're talking young, about going to three bowl games in college and i'm thinking about kids that are in college right now who would yeah. just love to go to the uh the little caesars bowl up in detroit no doubt just no doubt experience. i just yeah i mean and there were two more orange bowls after the after the fiesta bowl right. so my my time like before i graduated i went to four orange bowls in a fiesta bowl that's amazing mm -hmm. absolutely amazing like it's it's hard for me to even comprehend uh that had to be such an awesome time to sort of be around uh, the program i before we go heavy into the football i want to i want to go back to to the gymnastics stuff i mean do you was that like one of your first beats for you mm -hmm. like yeah i think i think that it was um i mean i helped out like i said did, i wrote wrote plenty of football would go, would go to tom osborne's tuesday press conferences would you know like i said helped out at games um when i was you know it was my turn um, but yeah, as far as having ownership of the beat, uh, men's and women's gym, um, that, that first year, that was, that was the main thing. And, and, and then I think my second year, it turned into basketball and, and eventually it turned into a, a lot of football and in 94, um, I was on the road, um, with football a, a fair amount. And I think I was probably in the press box at, at all the home games, but, um, at first it was, it was mainly gymnastics. Yeah. So there's something I think really cool about the DN experience when you get there and you're like, you might want to have a specific sport or whatever it is that you want to cover, but you sort of have to work your way towards that. And before you get there, you get a chance to kind of own something unique. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I, you're, you're talking about being a young kid sitting in the office, learning about this sport, because I'm guessing you probably had never covered anything like that before. Um, and that's that's kind of one of the unique aspects and fun aspects about a place like the Daily Nebraskan because you learn about a sport that you didn't either grow up paying attention to or I'm sure you watch a little Olympics coverage or whatever. But I'm guessing you right. came away with a crash course of knowledge that you did not have prior to to, you know, really getting into. Well, well yeah, I, I hadn't seen college gymnastics before yeah. I walked into a practice for the first time, um, the first meet that I covered at the Devaney Center some at some point in in 1994 
was probably the, I'm sure it was the first college gymnastics meet I'd ever seen. And because of the, the people, because of Francis Allen and, and Dan Kendig too, but, but Francis Allen for sure, you know, who won a, a pile of national championships in his time. I think people forget how good they were. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Olympians just yeah. walking in and out the door um, every year. It's like, oh, there's that guy over there at practice. I mean, it's just Francis Allen. He'd be like, oh, that, that that's Phil Cahoy over there. That's Jim Hartung over there. You know, that he was, uh, and I, even I knew those names and he'd be like, yeah, he won Olympic gold and this and this and this. And, and so is, you know, as an Omaha kid, he's a Grand Island kid, whatever. Um, he, um, Francis, uh, you know, he built that thing, you know, similar to like what Bob Devaney did, um, and, and really not that, not that long after. And it was a, it was a dynasty. Um, and wh- what I learned was bef- before or along, along for the, the, this, along the same time that I learned the sport and tried to understand the sport, you know, I had to learn about what was important in covering it. And yep. that was, understanding the personalities and you know i there's i didn't think about journalism and writing and reporting on one one hundredth of a level of depth that i do now or or did even a few years later in understanding like okay i need to do this and serve my readers this way it was all just what okay what can i i walk into this practice gym what can i do what makes sense to me and what made sense to me was like understanding that Francis Allen was like this extremely colorful, um, interesting character. So if I wrote about it, I just quoted him a ton and he was funny. And, I, you know, I think instinctively I recognized that people would want to read that, you know, whether it's the, you know, my only audience was the students, you know, picking up the, the newspaper in their lecture halls. And, you know, we didn't have a website. Um, nobody off campus was getting a hold of our stories if it was about gymnastics for sure. Um, but you know, you know, I, I think I probably understood on some level that it was important to write for the people who were reading what, what I was putting out. And to me, um, it was most interesting just to hear him talk and to hear him. I mean, he was, he was, you just, he would just say like, okay, they had a meet against Oklahoma say coming up on a Friday night. And he would say like, yeah, we're going to, we're probably going to destroy them. Um, it has really has nothing to do with, with who we're competing against. Um, it's really just about us and, you know, we'll win that duel by 50 points. Um, we're way better than them. So, you know, I mean, he, 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 um, he was flamboyant and, and confident and it was like the exact opposite of Tom Osborne, right, you know, who's, right, yeah. who's over in the in Memorial Stadium um, talking about how San Jose State is going to be a difficult opponent on that on that Saturday. Um, you know, Francis just he talked he talked trash and that made it interesting. And like like you see in, in football and in other sports, the athletes, they take on the personality of their coach. So the gymnasts were like him and they would say the same stuff. And um that's why they were interesting. I think beyond the uh, like the fact that they could mm-hmm. do a triple flip off of the vault, yeah. which in itself is fairly interesting, but also not mm-hmm. something that's relatable at all. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, 
Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Right. Uh, so what that, what that leads me to, did you feel like just getting that experience covering that team helped it or made it easier for you when you ultimately needed to go cover the football team or when you found yourself um, in situations where you're writing a story that maybe everybody's writing, but you need to write it a little bit different to stand out. I mean, did having that experience covering a team where you're kind of the only person covering them, you get to tell all these stories, however you want. Did that help you when you ultimately ended in a completely different beat like football? Sure. I mean, when I was in the, in the, uh, in the gym, with the, the gymnasts or, you know, you can take this to like covering women's soccer or track and field or wrestling. For the most part, the interviews that I was doing were one-on-one interviews. And, you know, so I had to, I had to run the thing, you know, I had to have questions at the ready. I had to kind of have ideas going into the interview sessions about how I wanted it to go, um, what I was looking for, and there's definitely a danger in football. If you get thrown into that, you can just sit in the back and gather up all these quotes and not ask questions. Not and then when you get done, it's like, wh- where am I? What, what do I even have? You know, it's, you can put something in print, but it's not going to be yours, truly yours, um, unless, you, you know, you had a plan going in. So I think if, if you know, if the, my college newspaper experience had been different and let's say they didn't have um, talented reporters, you know, and they were starved for, for young people, bodies to just come in and, and handle assignments. And I had been doing football uh, nonstop from August of 93 on, I, I wouldn't have developed that ability to be able to ask questions and like engage with people who, who I was interviewing. And that's, and that's, that's what I gained most from, going into the, into Francis Allen's office, you know, you learn to listen, um, you, you, you know, you learn to be prepared. Um, and then when faced with that situation in a more intimidating environment, you know, if I'm talking to, uh, Tommy Frazier, um, you know, six months later or a year later, I, I can, I can, I can handle it. You know, I can, I can operate in that moment. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gained that base of, of understanding about how the whole process works unless I had done it in a, in a much more manageable situation environment like I did in, with those smaller sports. Let me tell you about Bubbles and Blocks Child Development Center of Lincoln. The Lincoln Choice Award for Best Daycare is actually growing right now. Expansion will begin soon at their North Lincoln location at 8521 Lexington Avenue. The expansion will almost double 
the size of their current location, and will bring with it exciting learning experiences for kids 6 weeks to 12 years of age. It will also offer fun job opportunities for those looking to make a positive influence in the lives of kids. They offer flexible scheduling and a fun atmosphere. For more information, go to bubblesandblockscdc.com. Here's a question for you, and I don't know that you've ever thought about this because you just do it at the time, and it's easier to reflect when you look back. What was it like covering a football program that lost three games over four years? It's over five years. It seems, yeah, five years. um, yeah, yeah it see, it seemed, uh, like that was the way things were like, that was the, it's, in, it's was, incomprehensible to me now. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska, yeah, seemed, if they go lose to Minnesota, it's going to be hysteria regard, you know, regardless of what it looks like. And then, so it's hard to imagine what it would be like if it's just rolling along and there's an occasional speed bump. It's like some 20 year old who's covering Georgia now. And, you know, you get outraged because they beat LSU 50 to 24, but you know, how do they give up three touchdowns? You know, like it's, I I mean, so I, I, it was, I don't know what it was like other than to say it was expected. Yeah. it, It wasn't like I witnessed this great transformation right in front of me. I think if I had come in a couple years earlier and watched the 91 and 92 seasons up close. I mean, I did watch them, but not from the same perspective. Mm-hmm. And um, and then saw 93, 94, 95. I would have had more of an appreciation for how unique it was. Um, but everything about what was going on in those five seasons, um, in the fifth season, I'll say 97 was different for me. I was still in school, um, you know, on the five-year uh, plan. But uh, I was working for the World Herald then. Um, okay. The 97 season I, I spent... Uh, as basically as a full-time Omaha World Herald reporter, and just they were just waiting to pay me um, a salary um, when I when I got that that college degree, but um, which came in May of '98. But um, but uh, yeah, I just took it just took it for for granted. Like that's what it was. Like Tuesday when the head coach talked to the press, like CBS Sports was going to be there in the back, and like Sports Illustrated would have a feature writer there, you know, every Monday. And I mean, it's just stuff that was totally wild and out of whack for what the way that college football was covered in that day was happening on a weekly basis at Nebraska. And I didn't know any different. Um, so that's what it was like. Um, <laughs> um, I, you, and you lose perspective in that mm-hmm. in that situation, too. I remember covering the one of those three losses, the Arizona State game in in the desert in 1996. And we all know that was Scott Frost's first road game. And uh, it was 19 to nothing. That's the last time Nebraska got shut out for all the stuff that's happened to the program over the last 25 plus years. That's still the last time that Nebraska got shut out. So man, you know, I'm not the only one, but it was, it was scorched earth at that point they'd won what like 25 26 games in a row coming into that thing and they lost like three scores you know it was it was an embarrassing loss any way you cut it but um and it was like man tear this thing down like they (laughs) they got a (laughs) they got big problems at memorial stadium folks you know uh and that's that's how i wrote it and it's like looking back at that I don't, I don't really know if that was the right perspective. Um, but when you've seen what I had seen over the previous three years, 93, 94, 95, um, that's, that's the way it felt. 
does does having the perspective of both ends of the of the cycle, I guess, Nebraska kind of bottoming out more recently, getting your start like right at the the apex of of the program. I mean, do you do you feel like that will provide perspective, you know, as as Nebraska goes into yet another new era of of itself with with Matt Rule? I mean, do you think that kind of allows you that you'd be able to look at it where if they go seven and five this year, it's not just going to be okay. Nebraska to the moon in 2024, because you've, you've kind of been in, in both sides of this thing. I mean, I, I, the reason I asked that, because even someone like myself, I mean, I started covering them in 2009. I've yet to see a conference championship in terms of what I've covered, but you still know what like a good team looks like and what a good season sort of looks like, but you don't know what a great season looks like. You you've kind of encompassed all of it. Yeah. Um, I think just like the experience of being around the sport in general, uh, it, 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 that leads me to have some better perspective, but there's always the tendency to overreact and, yeah. you know, the media did it. I did it, um, with frost, um, early, uh, you know, Hey, what they won four of their last six in mm-hmm. 2018. And it's like, okay, you know, pick them to win the big 10 West the next year. Like, yeah, let's, let's, let's let's be a little more level-headed and every year that goes on and every year that you see something new and every year's a new story you know even though some of these years seem like they're the same on repeat there's always new stories and new lessons to understand on like hey maybe this is why this went wrong or this is different than the way I envisioned it or in in some cases it's like hey I had this right like I thought this was going to be a problem or I thought this was going to be an area of strength and it was Um, so every year you know you kind of add to that like um, base of knowledge and that perspective on just like how things are going to go, but you ne- you never really know. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily like that. I've seen the highs, the highest highs and some pretty low lows. I won't say the lowest lows, but some pretty low lows. Um, It'll leave some room I, I out s- there. Yeah, sure. Sure. You can always go lower, but, uh, um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, but I won't say that that's the reason that, um, you know, I would be better in 2023 about handling a seven and five season the proper way. I just think like being in this business and around this sport for 30 years, which is crazy to say um, that that's the reason, like all of the experiences that I've had um, that is going to help me like make more uh, common sense decisions about how to cover the team, no matter what happens. So you you started covering the team full time, almost the ninety seven season for the World Herald. The ninety seven season, of, yeah, the ninety seven season yep. for the World Herald, yeah, with Steve Pivovar. So the the quick backstory there, um, UNO added a hockey program, Division one hockey program, in ninety seven, and Eric Olson, who now writes for the Associated Press. Um, was on the the Nebraska beat with Steve Pivovar, the late, great Steve Pivovar. And um, so they needed a beat, they needed a Nebraska beat writer, a fill in. And um, instead of, instead of hiring someone with the, with a ton of experience, you know, from who knows where, I'm sure there were plenty of people at that, at that stage that would have loved to have come, come and covered this Nebraska football program that had won, uh, two of the last four national championships, two of the last three. Um, 
you know, they, they, Steve Sinclair, the, the sports editor, you know, he trusted me to do it. And I had, I had covered a little football for them. I interned at the world mm-hmm. Herald um, in, in the summer of 96 and um, had, had, had been a stringer uh, freelancer on like some volleyball and baseball and things like that. in uh, in, in 96, um, not spring of 97. So they knew me, but, uh, you know, to trust me with that Nebraska football beat and what turned out to be Tom Osborne's last year when I hadn't graduated from college was, was kind of a leap looking back at it, but they did. And, um, so Piv and I, Piv and I were on the, on the beat that whole season of of 97. And then, and then for the next few years after that, when I was a full-time employee. Have you ever kind of reflected that, you know, you hear a lot from people about how sports journalism, especially has this sort of archaic pay your dues system where you got to bounce around to these different jobs and to, to sort of get into one of those uh, prestige assignments, if you will. And you were sort of able to circumvent all of that. Was it you think as much as just being right place, right time, or do you feel like you had kind of set yourself up with those internships and, and everything yeah. else? I think it's both. I mean, I'm not going to say it was all because of me. It wasn't all just you can. because. You no, no, can. that's not accurate. There's, you know, there's, it's karma, man. Like it's, it's, you know, it'll come back to bite you, you, yeah. you if you get too big of a, too big of an opinion of yourself. And I don't, I mean, I don't, it wasn't just like, um, it wasn't just like I was great at writing a feature story as a freelancer for the world Herald and, did a good job as an intern in 96 and, you know, happened to be there at the college world series to write about Warren Morris's walk-off home run. That's the, that's the summer I interned at the world Herald was Damn. Warren Morris walk-off home run for LSU to beat Miami. You know, I'm, st- I'm standing behind home plate as a 21 year old kid um, when he hit that ball at Rosenblatt stadium. So like, yeah, there's definitely, that, and that's not, it wasn't because of me. That wasn't because, because I was good at my job. That was, it was good luck. And it wasn't because of me that UNO decided to add a hockey program and start it in 97 when I was a few months away from looking for a job. And so there's good fortune, there's right place, right time. And then there's just like taking advantage of the situation in front of you. Um, I certainly did that. Like I was, I was able to um, develop relationships with the writers that I'd be working with um, at the paper. And I knew the sports editor and, you know, he took me out to lunch. Um, never really had a job interview. I guess that's, I, in all these years, like in 30 years, I, I've never had a job interview um, for, for anything in, in, uh, in this business. Um, that was the closest I came when I was 21 and, and went to lunch with Steve Sinclair. And he said, if you graduate in May, we'll, we'll hire you full time. Um, and that was really like, I think that was maybe in January of, of 98 after I had spent the whole season uh, covering, covering that, that iconic year. Um, that, that, that 97 season, which ended with Osborne retiring. And, um, so, uh, it's, it's partly just luck. And then it's, it's definitely, there's, there's, there's some taking advantage of the moment involved. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah. That's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is probably one of the more unique questions I'm going to ask anybody that I have on this on this uh, podcast. But you sort of encompass both sides of the of the journalism world here. When did you first really kind of noticed that the internet was going to change things for you with kind of how you did things, because I, I have to imagine it, it probably wasn't into the, the early two thousands that you were starting to think about writing something differently uh, for an audience sure. online than the audience that you were writing or the, the speed of which you could get something on Omaha.com versus uh, you know, having to wait for the next day for it to come out. Like when, do you, do you know, is there a, is there like a watershed moment in your brain for when the internet started to take over how you thought about your job? It wasn't until 2011 when I went to ESPN. Really? Um, yeah, because the World Herald was way too slow to embrace the, the, the internet. I mean, sure, it had a website, um, not, it wasn't like among the first newspapers to have a website. I remember we were, we were slow in going that direction. And then after that, it was just kind of, it was, it was an afterthought. Um, we let the world Herald let other media companies dictate how that medium would be used to their advantage. And it was like a necessary evil. You know, they didn't, they were, they were, uh, woefully behind in embracing the technology um, that everyone else, uh, well, they were, and they weren't alone. I say everyone else sure. and by everyone else. I mean, it's a, like it's a different, the, different time. Certainly. The, yeah. The yeah. digital media companies were understanding it. You know, yeah. ESPN was understanding it, you know, rivals and, and all of the, the recruiting um, world was starting to understand what, um, what it was going to mean and how it was just completely landscape altering. And a lot of newspapers, the Omaha world Herald, including were just clinging to this product. That was a piece of paper. Um, and so, you know, I probably thought about it and embraced it in ways that were different than a lot of my older uh, coworkers at the, at the newspaper. I think a lot of them just, just, went along with management and didn't really want anything to do with it where I was maybe more, I was in my twenties. So um, maybe more progressive thinking about how can we, how can we um, shape our content Mm -hmm. to take advantage of this internet thing? Um, (laughs) But uh, no, I don't remember it shaping the way that I wrote stories, um, changing uh, how I felt that I could connect with my audience until 2011. After the 2010 season, um, you know, I, I wasn't really like itching for something different, but um, I got approached by ESPN. They were expanding things in their recruiting um, in particular, but college football in general. And, um, you know, it was at that point, it was, yeah, it was kind of a no brainer for me to, to jump on board with that. Yeah, I, I remember, so I'm in the industry at this point. I remember when you took that job 
And I was just thinking like, this is really kind of fascinating because in my head, like you sort of had one of those jobs covering Nebraska where it's like, he could just do this forever. You know, you could just stay there, cover Nebraska. You wouldn't have a whole lot of change because of it, but you, you saw something in that ESPN job. Like what, what was the attractive aspect of it? Was it just doing something different? Because if I recall, I mean, some of what you were doing at the early part of it was you were just going out and writing features on different recruits, you know, and top guys throughout the country. Yeah. It wasn't much Nebraska at the beginning. Um, I, well, part of it was that I saw where newspapers were going. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it was nothing like what's happened in the last five to eight years. Um, But even, even, I mean, by 2010, I mean, the, the storm was here and, you know, uh, everything was changing because of the internet and those who were not fast to embrace that. And even those who were fast to embrace it, but, but didn't understand how to profit from it, which Utilize was pretty it, yeah. much all newspapers, you know, with the exception of maybe one or two, um, you know, they were paying the price. So I knew I had a sense of where things were going then. I wasn't like extremely happy with uh, everything at the in downtown in, in, in Omaha at, at that moment. And um, again, you know, much like, 13 years before, 14 years before, um, ESPN just kind of came at the right time for me. Um, so Jeremy Crabtree, who was um, a student at Kansas State uh, at the same time, same, we're the same age uh, that I was at Nebraska. Um, he had taken a position at ESPN in management to put together a staff that would cover recruiting on a national level and do it in a way that um, would generate a lot of money. And, you know, that's what, that's what recruiting does, you know, better than anybody that that you cover recruiting and, and that's, that's, that's what gets people to open up their, Mm -hmm. their wallets. Um, So ESPN wanted a piece of that and they went out and got Jeremy who'd been at, at rivals for a long time. And he and I were long connected and he started hiring writers at schools and in regions, and he wanted somebody to be his um, his senior guy to be able to tell stories. Um, I was not brought in to um, write updates about recruits or you know find out when visits were scheduled. It was go to um, Gainesville, Georgia, and spend an afternoon with Deshaun Watson, who's yeah. the number one you know QB in the country in this class, or you know. Um, and that, you know, Leonard Fournette did, did that one. Um, several of those kind of stories really just, just, um, form relationships with, you know, Adoree Jackson did that at, at uh, in East, in, in East St. Louis or in, in it, just across the border in Illinois. And then, and then also trailed him out to Los Angeles where he, he went to, to high school. Um, and it was intriguing to me because I liked those kind of stories and I liked just being able to do the narrative pieces. And that's what ESPN was looking for from, from me at that time. And, um, you know, there was, I was able to stay close of course, to the games of college football, because, you know, sometimes I might write a story about like Florida state's recruiting, um, blue, you know, their, their blueprint, how do how do they, mm-hmm. how do they, uh, you know, sign a top five class every year and it's kind of obvious when you look at the location, but um, let's tell the story on a deeper level. So I went to Tallahassee and, and spent some time there with their coaches. And, you know, I'd been doing it long enough at that point, just like the, had been a a writer that long enough at that point, like 
if you'd count my college time, I was coming up on like 20 years in the business that like I had um, enough experience where that I could handle um, a wide variety of those kind of stories in recruiting. And, and um, yeah, I was looking for something different. Um, was kind of, was kind of burned out a little bit on some of the Nebraska stuff. And um, it came at, it, it came at the right time. Yeah. It, I, no one was really doing it to that level at that time. And now it, you look at it and there's, there's countless feature stories on every top, you know, 25 recruit mm-hmm. in the country because the, mm-hmm. the explosion of the coverage, but that was so new and, and fresh at the time. Do you feel like having the sort of openness of, you know, you, you kind of have to pitch your ideas. You have to come up with your own ideas. Did that help set you up for the transition later for the athletic to where it's kind of open-ended, like, you're a beat reporter, but you're not the daily beat reporter that's providing, you know, bullet point updates and a 200 word thing that's getting thrown up on the site. Like they want a little bit more in depth features. Do you think that helped prepare you for kind of your transition to the athletic later on? Yeah. Yeah, it did. I mean, because what I was doing before ESPN was that minute by minute coverage Mm -hmm. of the team. You know, I had to make sure coming out of practice that the notebook that I wrote um, for the paper the next day, you know, it had everything in it. And, and, you know, we would, as a newspaper, we would cut space out of the, um, you know, the high school coverage out of the, you know, college basketball coverage out of the, like, you know, pro football um, off season report or whatever it was um, to get in, every detail possible about Nebraska football because, you know, management understood and writers understood that that's what the people who subscribed to the newspaper wanted to read. So if it was a nugget from, um, from the offensive coordinator about who was taking reps with the threes at quarterback, um, I better get that in there. Um, And yeah, that, that's, that's not necessarily what we, that's not at all what our MO is at the athletic. Now it's changed a lot. I've been at the athletic for, three and a half years. And what we did in 2019 when I started is tremendously different than what we strive to do day by day, hour by hour right now here in 23. Um, and, and you've always got to be, be willing to, to adapt and change. I mean, I, I, that's the number one lesson I'll, I'll tell college kids, young, young writers. Now it's like, whatever you're doing, however you think your business works, like, okay, but be ready for it to change pretty fast. So, um, yeah, like the entrepreneurial aspect of what I did at ESPN. And, and that's really what, what it was, especially at the beginning. Cause I got pretty quick in my years at ESPN into more just like strict coverage of college football. Mm-hmm. And again, that was because the, the way that the company chose to cover the sport changed and we still covered recruiting for sure. Um, but I was more valuable to them to be on the big 12 beat for mm-hmm. a period of years. And I was, and then I was more valuable to them to be part of our big 10 coverage team. So I really, I moved away from, from the recruiting part a, after maybe two to two to three years. And like the last, the last five or six that I spent there um, were just, were just college football. Uh, and then that, and you know, and that changed even within those five years or so. I mean, at first it was like blogging um, and I was writing, you know, four or five blurbs a day Um and then, you know, along with doing bigger stories and then, you know, it, it got to part of the reason I chose to, to leave ESPN in 2019 was because in the when the college football playoff became such a big part of the 
coverage, um, it dominated coverage of the sport after what Halloween, when the, Mm -hmm. especially when those rankings came out every week. Um, you know, I felt like, and I think other people felt like too, that, that ESPN, you know, which broadcasted and owned a part of the college football playoff that ESPN like placed this huge emphasis on the teams that were in contention. And if, you know, if I wasn't covering one of those teams or covering a team in that area, you know, then, then it's like, what's my, what's my value here? Right. And, yeah. you know, and like in 18, even like 17 and 18, there were times where I was sent to <clears throat> Columbia, Missouri. I went to a, to a game at Missouri on a Saturday to basically babysit Georgia. You know, Georgia was there. Georgia was a college football playoff contender. And um, I was there in case there was a huge upset or in case, you know, Kirby Smart, um, you know, popped off after the game or, um, you know, Justin Fields came in. He was a he was a true freshman um, backup that season um, before he transferred to Ohio State. Um, That's that was not super uh, enjoyable for me. That was not like I wasn't getting a lot of uh, fulfillment out of go because, you know, generally you're going to go there and what's expected to happen happens. I went to a Arkansas game against Alabama um, in Fayetteville and, and it was a, just a, just an obliteration. Um, but, you know, Nick Saban was mad after the game because they gave up a late touchdown, I think. And, and so I got to sit in that, sit in there and listen to him get all red faced and, and, um, and then write about it, like write not, and not really write much because we had a writer back in Tuscaloosa, mm-hmm who was really going to write about that. But so if you weren't in, if you weren't on the ground floor of the CFP at, at ESPN in those, in those last couple of years that I was there, then I think there were some real questions about like, what's, you know, what am I doing here? What's my purpose? And, you know, it is what you make of it. I'm not saying like that they were, they were bad about the way they coverage college football. You know, I could have been better about finding um, stories that were outside the box, but they were, didn't always get approved. You know, I love, I live in Omaha, Nebraska. And if I wanted to go to Texas to write about a, whatever you know in the minds of espn and disney like well we have a writer down there in texas we have a writer in a lot of places so it was it was it was um it was challenging and you know like for the third time um the athletic uh just kind of offered me a change um that was at the right place in the right time and you know also at that same moment i was kind of having these feelings i think like i mentioned earlier um and it went along with what i just what i just laid out at espn there, you know, there's probably some drive back from Fayetteville, you know, in the middle of the night where I'm like, why don't I write about Nebraska? Yeah. Um, you know, I live, I've, I've, I'm from here. I've lived here. Um, this is like my life. I don't want to move. I'm raising my family here. Um, everybody that I, that I, that I interact with on a daily basis in, in my personal life, like they care about one thing in when it comes to college football. So why am I doing something else? And, you know, the athletic was, at that point, a startup and hiring people to cover programs that mattered um, to the fans of those programs. And Nebraska has that passionate uh, following that we all know, um, even when things aren't, when they're not winning national championships. So um, it was a good match. And uh, I covered, so I covered the, um, the UCF LSU Fiesta Bowl um, for ESPN. And I got great assignments for ESPN. Like, you know, I talk about going to babysit Nick Saban's team. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, don't feel sorry for me. Like I had to go cover a Nick Saban game. Like right. it, it was cool, but, um, I covered the, um, 
the uh, the Fiesta Bowl um, after the 18 season uh, with LSU and Joe Burrow, Burrow's first year at LSU and UCF um, in the first year of, of Hypel. And UCF was undefeated. Uh, it, it had been undefeated for two years. Um, and um, so it was like, you know, is UCF going to going to state claim to the national championship for a second consecutive year? And LSU LSU smoked them that day in in uh, in Glendale. And while I was there in um, in Arizona, I um, connected on New Year's Eve on the phone with Daniel Uthman from The Athletic, um, who now runs our NFL coverage. And he ran college football at the time. And, you know, I just, I just laid it out and I, I, I knew, I knew him. Um, I met him at the opening, um, several years before in Portland, um, where he lives. Um, he was a, a great editor for USA Today. And, and then he was on the, on the ground floor, um, at the, at the athletic when it started in 16. So three years later, you know, we reconnected and it was just a conversation about whether I wanted to do it. And I knew pretty quick. And like, I think we talked for an hour that day on the phone. And, and when I was in Arizona, getting ready to cover that Fiesta Bowl for ESPN, it turned out to be my last football game for ESPN. Um, and and I, I knew talking to him that that was, this was a move I wanted to make. You, you mentioned the opening there, which is wild to me because I feel like I covered the quick expanse of that being like the big recruiting event to now it doesn't exist anymore. Like, yeah. It's, so it's I talked to, really yeah, I, I went to a couple of them and Kyler Murray was my, was my favorite slash least favorite um, opening uh, experience. And I think it spoke to like all that was wrong at that time um, with college football recruiting and recruiting coverage. Like he had, he had these people around him, like not just the Nike people, but not just like his dad, uh, Kevin, but uh, uh, it was I, I just wanted to interview him like as a as a 17 year old, um, you know, who was this great high school quarterback and was going to Texas A&M at the time. And and I, I, did, I got the interview, um, but uh, you had to work yeah, for it. I did. And it wasn't that it wasn't memorable. Mike. Yeah. like it was <laughs> so I, can believe it. I, I know exactly what you mean, too. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason like that the opening lost some of its luster is because like these players became like these huge properties instead of just like normal high school kids. And, I, they were, you know, in the, in the readers, like in the viewers on TV, because the, I mean, the opening was there for TV and you know, they broadcast the seven on seven games. And like when the players became like robots, um, because you know, Nike and ESPN and uh, others like, built them into that, you know, all the re- recruiting sites. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, you, you have to make, they have to be people. They have to, they always have to be human. And uh, my, my experiences at the opening was that, that they didn't always come off that way. So you've now moved over to the athletic and this is where I want to give you a ton of props because I don't know that people understand how difficult this is. And I know that Max Olson helps out from time to time, but largely you are the only sort of solo uh, beat guy you know, covering mm-hmm. Nebraska relative to every, like I had Brunt and I were a duo since uh, the moment I started in October of 2011. And then we added BC, you know, the newspapers have multiple guys, uh, Sean and Robin, and then they've added people to them since. And you kind of approach this as, as a sort of a one man band. And I find that really difficult. 
if as much stuff as happens in Nebraska football and not even Nebraska athletics at large, because I know you dabble a little bit with other big stories that pop up uh, for the yeah. athletic, but had it, had it been frustrating for you sort of being the guy for, for the Nebraska athletic coverage, or you just sort of accept that with the territory that, that it came with? I, I probably prefer it that way. Um, at this point, I mean, I like, kind of working on my own. Don't I mean I mean I'm a definitely a team player when it comes to like our college mm. football coverage and you know I collaborate with our writers at other schools and our national and regional writers like as much as anybody and 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 promote that. I'm behind that. Like I'm all for it. Uh we get together at least once a year as a whole staff and that's that's a great that's a great couple of days. Um and tons of ideas come out of it and our coverage is better as a result. But when you get on the ground level of of one team and, and you know, we're our coverage is evolving too. Like I'm not here in 2023. Up of course will my job will be similar to what it's always been. But um, you know, hey, I may I may go write something about um I could write a story, I could certainly write Big Ten related stories or Midwest mm-hmm. stories or um, you know, we want to be able to broaden things out so that like the audience that is interested in the stories that I write, it's not just Nebraska fans. So I think you have to see above the fray. And like that's um, that's uh, not always an easy thing to do at Nebraska because there's like so much down below the fray. And it's only natural when you have 40 people who are there to ask questions after uh you know a practice in august and we're about to see this all start up again here mm-hmm. where we pile into the uh stadium and and you know throw questions at tony white or you know marcus satterfield on a on a tuesday afternoon when they've coached three practices and you know since <laughs> since april um and then there, there's yeah there's a lot that's below the fray there's a lot in the weeds and and um i just choose to look at it i have to look at it like what do people care about? Like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, uh, I want people who follow me and who read my content to be confident that they can come and read the things that are most important, maybe, maybe even more most interesting. Um, You know, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not going to write everything. Um, there are mm-hmm. things certainly as a covering it as one person that, uh, you know, I won't hear in a, in an interview setting. I do try to take like three or four tape recorders um, and, and, and try to catch everything that's, that's said at these interview sessions, but I can't be there to ask everyone questions at the right moment. So on that day, uh, if Matt rules talking, you know, if, if the quarterback's talking, what do, what do I find the most interesting? It, it just requires me to, again, um, you know, going way back to when we talked about like Francis Allen and how that prepared me to be able to recover football in a different way. Um, it's the same kind of philosophy of just going in with a plan and trying to have a map every day of what I'm going to do and, but also be able to be willing to, adjust on the fly. And if, you know, somebody says something that is of great interest in those interviews, I need to be able to shift gears and, and, and write about that. I, yeah, I, it's just, I, just Nebraska, Nebraska doesn't, um, you know, Nebraska is good about producing things that are interesting. And that's, that's always been the case, even through um, all of the losing. Um, and I, I think as, as long as I kind of keep my head on straight and, and stay focused on that, 
um, people are going to want to want to continue to read. Only a couple more questions here for you. And here's one that I really kind of want to get into, because, again, like you, you sort of span both sides of the divide for me as far as sports journalism goes, the old world of the newspaper and now sort of the new guard of the Internet. How do you feel like social media has enhanced your ability to do your job and how has it made things more difficult for you in that same stretch of time? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, you know, I try to interact with, uh, with people on social media. Um, you know, when I, basically when I feel like it, like, and it's not all, it's not like I'm not living there. It's not Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, you know, it's not just a place for me to go and post links to my stories. Um, I try to let people see a personal side, um, have a little bit of fun with it when the opportunity exists. Um, it's made it easy, I think, to like humanize who I am, um, in some cases, uh, as a, as a, as a writer, like, you know, you mix in some, some personal, um, aspects like here, you really got to kind of like keep the, keep the lid somewhat tight on that. But, but when the moment is there, like I'll, you know, share things about, um, myself that, you know, wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for social media. Um, you know, and then, you know, the, the negative is just, is just like not, you know, there's, there's just so much crap floating around and uh, it's, I think it's easy to get sucked into negativity on social media. Um, so I try to not do that, but I'm also not like just going to ignore it if someone's mm-hmm. insulting me. So uh, um it just really just depends on the mood that I'm in at the time. Uh, I, I may, I may uh, fire back at somebody who, who, you know, isn't happy with the way that I'm covering the team or something that I put out on social media, but um, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot of like hard and fast rules about mm-hmm. it other than like um, to stay, uh, you know, don't not, not to, not to, uh, not to go somewhere that I might regret um, yeah. two hours later. No, that, that makes a ton of sense. All right. Everybody's kind of final thing that we finish up with here. Try to just get some stories. You've covered seven different head coaches now at Nebraska as I as I look at it. I, I mean, I'm assuming you covered some Mike Riley during his time oh, yeah. here. Uh, yeah. So, you know, seven different head coaches for you, seven different staffs, wildly different eras of Nebraska football. You got to have a few stories for it. It's a maybe some uh, fun and or awkward interactions that you've maybe had along the way. Is there anything that, that kind of stands out for you? Uh, you know, a time you put your foot in your mouth with a question or where what you got at or what you asked was received entirely differently than you intended. Anything like that to, uh, to finish things up for us here. You know, I mean, I'm sure everybody that you asked this question to who was around for the Bo Pelini era is going to have stories. And if there's yes. if there's one thing, <laughs> if they there's do. one thing that if there's one thing that that time produced, it was it was memorable moments, um, especially with the the head coach. And, um, you know, I for sure have some um, had some with with Scott Frost. Um you know, we didn't always see eye to eye. In fact, I don't really think we saw eye to eye um, all that often. Um, and, you know, he was, you know, to talk about Frost first, he was, um, you know, just like 
by nature, a private person and um, self-protective and I think skeptical um, of, uh, of media. So it makes, it makes it difficult to, 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 you know, I want people to like be able to see what I think is the good side of me. And, you know, I'm not out in this business to like go out and be friends with the people right. I cover. Like if mm -hmm. that's the case, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. Like uh, I don't serve agree. the coaches and the players and the athletic department. I serve the people that I'm writing for my, you know, my audience. Um, so if somebody has like a, 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 a like a, a skewed view of that on the inside. Like we're probably going to clash a little bit. Um, you know, he always stayed professional, um, but we definitely butted heads a little bit. And I'm talking about, about Scott. Um, you know, there was an incident that was really awkward. Um, this is when I was still at ESPN. So it would have been in, in 18. Um, and I had, I had written about uh, a transfer who was transferring out of Nebraska. And, um, you know, I, I'm always willing to say that I can learn from every situation. And, and sometimes you think um, uh, you think a story is ready to go. And in the aftermath and, and a coach says, Hey, you should have called and checked with us about this and asked us our side of the story. Um, you know, this one in particular was, was a pretty minor story. It was about Greg Bell who transferred in the middle of the season or running back. And, you know, Nebraska had, had attempted to put some kind of, stipulations on his transfer it was right before the transfer portal right um came into existence and you know if if the whole thing had happened a month later it wouldn't have mattered because at that point you could go anywhere you wanted but pre-transfer portal you couldn't and um you know so with some with help from you know one of my colleagues at espn um we had written ab about bell and, and how he was uh limited by nebraska in the schools that he could transfer to and um, you know, Frost thought and apparently somebody from the NCAA thought that the ESPN article had implied that there was tampering that was going on. That Nebraska was accusing a, a program of another program of tampering. Um, and, yeah, it just led to like some uncomfortable uh, conversation and, and it was tough. Uh, you know, I you know, we just kind of agreed at the end to like agree to disagree. And, and you're going to have those moments with coaches. Definitely had some with him had some with, with Bo um, Frost was way more, I will say was way more civil ab about it. Um, you know, I was on the receiving end of a, of an yeah. angry, angry phone call um, with, with Bo Pelini from Bo Pelini. Um, I don't remember the year, but it several former Mike. guests on this podcast have been on the yeah, receiving end of angry Bo Pelini phone call. So. Th this one involved Mike Eckler and a player that he was recruiting and a player that Nebraska had a commitment from, uh, you probably remember the name. I I don't. The kid was from Maine. I believe he's the only. Yeah, he was. That... Uh, he was a linebacker from Maine that they ended up dropping out of their class, yeah. like right at the last second. So the problem was related to him being dropped from the class because they dropped him from the class really late in the process, and I think it was a mistake for Nebraska to offer him in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and he came to campus after he'd committed and really didn't perform or look like the player that they thought he was. And then they dragged Nebraska dragged its feet and ended up dropping the offer, like not long before signing day. And I talked to the coach at the time of this player, um, high school coach, and he was unhappy, understandably with the way the whole thing went down. And, uh, you know, had some, I had some off the record dialogue with, with Eckler about it 
um, just making sure that I understood what had happened and, you know, ended up writing a story for the World Herald. And what I remember is the next day getting a call from Keith Mann. Uh, and Keith said, hey, just a heads up, I think Bo's going to call you. Um, and <laughs> that, words, yeah, words you don't want. That's, that's never really all that great. Uh, yeah. I don't remember where I was. You know, I'm probably just like going about my day. Maybe I was like in my car or at the gym, you know, like on a random Wednesday in December. Who knows? And uh, January, it was probably January because it, I know it was really close to signing yeah. day. And at that time, it was February it was the only signing period. So he called and, and just lit me up. Um, and I just pretty much listened. And at the end, I said, OK. And I, I, I think I maybe spent like three seconds trying to explain myself. And um, that was that. Uh, had a had a uncomfortable I don't want to make these all like, you know, negative, but like I had an uncomfortable moment for sure with Rob Childress um, in the press or in the um, in the uh, at Rosenblatt Stadium uh, after the after the College World Series game that that was one of the losses that Nebraska had in the 2005 College World Series. Um, it might have been that really emotional back and forth loss mm -hmm. against Arizona State. Yeah. Um, where Nebraska was, yeah. Nah, they lost. The, I believe Nebraska was that. Was that I was lost number one? I think, and then I, number. So I thought Florida was lost number one, and then Arizona State was lost. That could be. That, that could be. That could be. It was one of those. One of those two mm -hmm. games: Florida, Arizona State. And um, you know, I'm working at the World Herald, and I'd written um, that day that Bill Byrne was um, in Omaha to court Rob Childress for the Texas A&M job, and you know, I knew Bill because um, I'd covered him. Bill hired my wife um, to work in Nebraska athletics, hired her out from the daily Nebraskan. Um, you know, she wasn't my wife at the time, but, uh, um, and, and, you know, she's long, long ago left uh, college sports, thankfully. But, um, but uh, so I knew Bill um, from covering him, knew him on a personal level. And he, he'd left Nebraska a few years before to go to A&M. And, and I saw him, A&M was not in the college world series that year, but I saw him, at Rosenblatt and he was making himself seen, you know, Bill's kind of a showman and he came into the press box. And uh, so asked him why he was there. Are you here to see Rob Childress? You know, you're going to, you know, is he going to be hired at A&M and, you know, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to comment on that Mitch. Um, so I wrote about it and um, Rob felt that it was poorly timed and was a distraction for his team. And uh, he, he chewed me out, um, out by the bus, um, after the interviews at Rosenblatt, after one of those two losses, he, I think it was the first of the two losses because there was definitely some tension on the, gotcha. on the level, like they still had, and I don't know if that was Arizona state or, or Florida, but, um, after the first of those two losses, if Nebraska had won that game, you know, it, cause it won the opener that year with Java Chamberlain on the mound. Mm -hmm. If it had won that game, it would have been in the driver's seat to make the, to make the, uh, the final, um, so, or was there, there may have been a championship series at that time in 05, but I think there was, but, uh, um, yes, there was, but, uh, so there are those moments, um, you know, whether it's, and, and he and I patch things up later on and, and are okay today, but you know, that's, that's way water under the bridge, but, uh, obviously he took the job at Texas A&M, yeah. uh, a few days later, but, um, there are always, those, always those moments in, in this, in this work where, you know, you're, you're going to butt heads. And I think if you haven't had those things happen to you, then, um, 
you probably need to be doing things. Well, you should never, you should not strive to get in to confrontational situations with the people you cover. I'm not saying that, but like just the nature of the job is going to lead to those kind of moments. And if you're doing it, if you do it long enough, it's going to happen on a, um, you know, hopefully not too regular basis, but um, it will, it will happen. And, you know, one thing I really, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll end it with this. One thing I really have enjoyed so far in these first eight months about um, Matt Rule and this Nebraska staff is that um, I think they really care about the relationships that they do have with the people in the media. And that's not to say, I mean, there are going to be times where we disagree that mm-hmm. where they're going to be pissed off because of something that got written um, or, you know, said on radio or whatever it might be. Um, but uh, the lines of communication are really good. And, um, you know, that's how you avoid a lot of that kind of stuff is to just to be able to communicate with the head coach, with assistant coaches, with people in administration. And there's not been a staff at Nebraska, at least on my my end. And everybody's experience is a little bit different. You know, some people have great relationships with the coaching staff and some people in the media where where another another person in the media might not. Um, But my experience so far with this with this rule um, regime is uh, has been really good as far as like the communication and just being able to talk and ask questions when questions need to be asked that aren't necessarily for print. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that makes me happy. It makes my job, our jobs, um, a lot more enjoyable to do. And, and, you know, I think it it creates a better product for, for, um, everybody who's consuming our content. All right, Mitch. Well, appreciate you uh, joining us here on the uh, Hey Coach, It's Blank podcast and uh, great stuff. Just like I said, you you kind of were the, the perfect guest for this thing because you span that divide. You've been covering the team for so long and I knew you'd have some some great stories. Appreciate your time here today. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Big thank you to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic for joining the Hey Coach, It's Blank podcast and a special thanks to our sponsor, Bubbles and Blocks Child Development Center, as well as Podcast House Media for making this whole thing possible. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to go back and listen to others from this season or get ready for another new Hey Coach, It's Blank podcast episode to drop next Thursday morning.